I want to talk to you guys today about overcoming worry and anxiety with the armor of God. Now, how many of you like superheroes? Anybody? Yeah, me too. You like to see which ones are going to come out next, right? And what character is going to do, come out. And they've all got this like special suit. And then we, it's always cool to see kind of like what gadgets they have to fight off the villains. We have Captain America. He's known for his agility, speed, and strength. And he carries a shield. And then we have Spider-Man. You know, he has not only speed, but he has these webs that come out from his hands and allow him to swing from surfaces. And he can stick and climb on walls, and he's got a special belt with all his little gadgets. And let's not forget Wonder Woman. She has speed, but she has the power of flight. How many of you feel like you'd like to fly too over 281? Yeah, me. Yeah, yeah in traffic, yes. <laughs> and able to fly through the air. Her weapons are a golden lasso of truth, her unbreakable silver bracelets, and then her razor sharp tiara. And then some of my personal favorites, the Incredibles. I love this family. <laughs> Mr. Incredible, he's got the super strength. We've got Mom, Elastigirl, with elastic and can move her body all kinds of crazy ways. And then there's Violet, and she can be invisible, and she's got these force fields. And then there's Jack, and he's got super speed, and he can outrun anybody. And then we've got Jack-Jack, who turns into fire and has all these <laughs> other, other powers. And... You know, all these superheroes fight villains. And we have a villain. And our villain is Satan. And he is the father of lies. And he plans to kill, steal, and destroy. And that is his mission. He doesn't want us to fulfill our purpose. He doesn't want us to fulfill our destiny. He wants us to cause us to have worry and anxiety in our lives and depression. Anxiety and worry at an all-time high. Just turn on the news and you'll have plenty to worry about. Inflation, paying your bills, job, security, relationships, your health, your kids, and your future. And now we have Russia invading in the Ukraine and there will be disturbing images coming across our, our screen and devices. And people are concerned with the loss of life. And then we're even asking ourselves, well, how is that going to affect me and my family you know, here today? Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness, mental illness in the U.S. and affects 40 million adults age 18 and older. New research from Boston University School of Public Health reveals that depression has worsened, climbing 32.8%, affecting one in every three Americans. And it's affecting our kids too, with approximately 25% of teens experiencing anxiety disorders and 10% of our youth are on Xanax. But here's the great news. It doesn't have to be this way for us. You and I have a higher authority. And his name is Jesus. And he is faithful and he is true to his promises. And better than any fictional superhero costume that Miss Edna can create, right, from the Incredibles. Better than that, God has given you and I our own special suit of armor to fight off the enemy in our lives, to fight off worry, to fight off anxiety, to fight off depression, and to defeat the enemy and come out victorious. And it's called the armor of God. And you will see that you need it every day. We are armed and we are dangerous. Repeat after me, I am armed. And I am dangerous. <laughs> Let's look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So I want to take a moment and just look at these weapons that God has given us. There's seven of them. Belt of truth is the first one. The belt of truth is the word of God. It's the only piece that you can see and actually touch. It's a living word of God. We are told to make it tight around us. And while you may not think the belt is very important, it was the most important part of the soldier's armor. It held it all together. It was the core piece. And on it, on it hung the, um, the sword and the breastplate. Have you ever had a part of your body hurt and you go to physical therapy or whatever and they say, well, how's your core strength? And you're thinking, well, why on earth does that matter? <laughs> I'm working out, I'm exercising. But our core holds our stability. It holds our balance. And same with the word of God. We've got to get that word in us. It says Joshua 1.8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do what is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. On my lips means I declare it verbally. I talk it. I speak it out. I think about it in my mind throughout the day. Colossians 3.16 in the Amplified says, Let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your hearts and minds, permeating every aspect of your being. As you teach spiritual things, admonish and train one another with all wisdom, singing, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When the word dwells in us, we can speak it out immediately when the enemy comes to us with a trial. How many of you remember in Mark 4 when the disciples were on a boat and the, was, a storm came? Now, we're not talking about a little light drizzle. We're talking about hurricane, hurricane force winds. And the, the waves are just dumping into the boat. And they're freaking out. And they're panicking. And I have to be honest, I probably would be too if I were in a boat and getting ready to drown. And they were worried they were going to die. So they go and they look for Jesus. And what was Jesus doing? He was sleeping, that's right, he was sleeping. And they're like, Master, don't you care about us? We're gonna die. And what did he do? He got up and he spoke to the storm. And he said, peace, be still. And there was calmness and there was peace. So the next time anxiety, worry, and depression start attacking you, you speak to it. If you get a bad report on your health, you say no. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. A bad report in your finances or your job? No. In Jesus' name, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And you have to not only speak it, 
but you have to spend time in the Word of God. And I don't know about you, but often if I start feeling discouraged or have anxiety or start worrying, I've neglected my time with the Lord. Like, essentially, my belt has come off, and I'm just an easy target for the enemy. And so God wants us to get the Word in us. Even if you can do five or ten minutes a day, you know, God's, it, it helps. Everything helps. we got to get in it and get it tight around us. The next is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is right standing with God based on grace. And some of you are like, well, what on earth does that mean? Well, it means every bad thing you've done, every bad thing you've thought, imagined, said, was washed away, forgiven, cleansed on the cross with Jesus. When you accept Jesus, you get new clothes, clothes of love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So for some of you, your anxiety is coming up, uh, is, you have anxiety because you are ruminating and thinking about all your past failures. And it is paralyzing you from your destiny and your future. Because you are believing the lie of the enemy that says you're not enough, you're not good enough, God's mad at you, look at you, what you did in the past. And I'm here to say, enough. Don't let him do that anymore. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You are a new creation in Christ. Yes, we are going to make mistakes. It talks about in 1 John that if we do, you just confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you, and you move on. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Behold, see, I am doing a new thing. And in Philippians 3, it talks about forgetting what lies behind and looking forward to what lies ahead. Today is a new day, so remind yourself each day that you are who God says you are. I'm a child of God. I have purpose. I am chosen. I am called. I am worthy. And there is no guilt and there is no condemnation on me. The next is the shoes of peace. When I'm talking about shoes, I'm not talking about those gorgeous shoes with the red bottom soles with six-inch heels. And all the men said, amen, my wife doesn't need any more shoes. And the girls are like, no, we can all, there's no cinch thing, it's too many shoes. <laughs> I love shoes. No, these shoes are for both men and women. The soldier's shoes had two parts, the greave and the shoe. The greave was out of metal and it went from the top of the knee to the foot. And the shoe part had metal on the top and the bottom. And what I love about this is that God doesn't leave an inch of us unprotected. He covers us all. And I love that. The shoes were fitted with dangerous spikes made out of iron hobnails that were up to three inches long and would kill someone. You know, peace is a powerful weapon to keep Satan under our feet. It says in Romans 16, 20, that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. When you choose to walk in peace, you walk in power. In Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And in the Amplified, it says, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind in that peaceful state. So what are some things that can rob you of your peace? I wanted to list three because I wanted to give you some things to kind of be on guard for. One is life imbalances. 
You know, we're often exhausted by our unsustainable pace of life. We're doing too much. God didn't mean for us to do that much. We need to stop. If you're running around with your chicken with your head cut off, which, by the way, I have done that before, (laughs) we have to stop and say, okay, what does God call me to be? What is my assignment? And if it doesn't line up with that, then we have to say no. Because God wants us to have a healthy priority. Him first, family. And, you know, you may even have to tell your kids no to some things. Because I think our kids sometimes are overscheduled. I remember too, Mia comes home and tells me she wants to be on the cheerleading team. I'm like, oh, dear God. And then I went to the meeting, and I heard how much time it was. And I was honest with her. I said, Mia, that's a lot. I don't think that I can do that. Can we find something else? <laughs> we did. Thank you, Jesus. But sometimes you have to kind of help steer them because if we had done that in that season of our lives, we wouldn't have had any time together as a family. And now that's not good. So God wants us to have time with him and his word and to go outside, have time to be with our friends and have a good balance in our life. Next is comparing ourselves to others. Comparison is the biggest thief of joy. We have to stop comparing ourselves to what we see on Instagram or Facebook or what our neighbor's doing down the street. We have to focus on our assignment. See, the enemy wants us to compare because when he does, we start feeling inadequate and unworthy. And then we stop focusing our assignment that Jesus has given us. And we have to get focused on what he has called us to do. He has something special for you. You have all the gifts and talents that you need to accomplish your assignment here on this earth. So stop comparing ourselves. Thank God for what he's given you and what he has created you to be. Three, and lastly, offense and unforgiveness is a big robber of your peace. Romans 12, 18 says, as far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. Remember, peace is a choice. It's not an emotion. So if you need to forgive someone, do it. Make every effort for peace. And in situations, you need to ask yourself, is it worth my peace? Sandy Ross taught me that, one of the best lessons I learned. Because, you know, there will be times my husband irritates me, a friend irritates me, and I have to decide, is it worth my peace? And a lot of times it's not. And we just have to choose to forgive and move on. So I want to encourage you today that I, to say no to the things that are causing you to rob you of your peace. Say no to too much and over-schedulness. Say no to comparison and choose to walk in peace and forgiveness with others. When we walk in God's peace, the enemy can't shake us because our life is built on the rock. His peace gives us security that we don't have to worry, we don't have to fear or be anxious. And the restless minds and thoughts that are in our mind are brought to order. It says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Next is the shield of faith. And I think, I think when we think of the shield of faith, we think about those Disney characters, you know, someday my prince will come. And then we have that, and they have that little sword, you know, and that little shield. But that shield is not what they had in Bible times, all right? The shield was the size of a door. Think about your front door, the doors in your house. It was huge, and it covered your whole body, and it had a slight curve in it to deflect the attacks of the enemy. It says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For whoever comes to God must believe that God exists and he rewards those who seek him. So how do you build your faith? It says in Romans 10, 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You get in your word, you lift it up, you say it out loud so the devil can see it, you doing it, and hear you. Faith is found in the heart and in your mouth. So you mix that word with faith every day and you quote it over your life in every situation. And some of you say, well, I did that once and it really didn't work. You know, I quoted that scripture once. Well, you're going to have to do it more than once. You're going to have to do it sometimes over and over again. It's kind of like a plant, right? You don't go to H-E-B and decide you're going to grow tomato plants and you go put the seed and you cover it in dirt and then you wake up the next morning and go, well, Gosh, it didn't work, so I'm going to throw out the plant. No, (laughs) you don't do that. You have to water it. You have to cultivate it. You have to take care of it, right? Same with this. It says in Galatians 6, 9, Be not weary in in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So we have to keep our faith daily soaked in God's word. Our shield deflects us from the arrows of the enemy. So those darts of doubt, fear, worry, anxiety, and depression are deflected and extinguished. The shield covers us and keeps us safe. Then there's the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects your head and neck. It covers our brain where our thoughts are manufactured. You've often heard it said the battlefield is in your mind. And that is so true. Why? Because Satan's weapons are lies. He's the father of lies. And he wants to invade our mind with lies. Because if he can get us to worry, it'll lead to anxiety and then depression. And he wants you to question God. So you will lose your faith and your peace. He wants you to turn away from God and question his goodness and power. And he wants to distract you from your purpose. You know, think of Eve in the garden. Remember, how does Satan come to her? Hath God said. He doesn't want you to fulfill your destiny because you know what? When we do, it's trouble for him. I want to cause trouble. It says in 2 Corinthians 10.5 that we are to take every thought captive into the complete obedience of God. The Passion Translation says we are to capture thoughts like prisoners of war. That means as soon as the thought comes, we've got to capture it and say, no, that's not my thought. And we have to replace it with the Word of God. I remember a season in my life where I had to really, really work on my thought life. We were moving. We had just found out that my husband had um, matched in residency in Florida. I had lived here since I was six years old. My church was here, my home was here, my life was here, my job was here. And we found out we were moving to this little college town that I had no idea where the heck it was until I got there. Um, I was just hoping for a Target. And we got there. It did have a Target. Thank you, Jesus. That was my saving grace. (laughs) But um, we got there, and, you know, I had to find, we had a house at that time that we had only had for a month. So I don't consider that my first house because I really didn't live in it. So we had this pressure of selling the house, and then we had um, the pressure of me finding a job because I needed to work. If any of you know any, anybody in the medical field or that time, you don't make quite a lot of money. You are, you know, the bottom of the bottom. <laughs> so um, I was praying about that, finding a job, and there were a lot of thoughts during that time of, you're, you know, you can't sell your house, you're not going to, and I had, or, you know, what about you finding a job? And I had to take those captive. There was times I had to walk around the house I had and just thank God that it was sold and declare God's word. 
But then we get to Florida and the house that sold, thank you, Jesus. And uh, I found a job, but it was kind of like, you know, it, it had happened all so fast. And I get to my job and I'm sitting there and I'm in a cubicle. And it was gray and it was tall, like not even the kind you can see over. No, this is like you couldn't even see over. And it was like three walls around me. And I'll be honest, I felt like I was in prison. I felt like somebody had locked me up. And I started feeling sad and depressed because all my jobs had been happiness and with people and with TV and with sex. And I had been around people. So here I am feeling like I'm in prison, no friends, no church, no family, husband's working his butt off <laughs> at the hospital, don't see him very much. And the thoughts start coming. And I remember I had to call for help. You know, this is what I'm going to say, you know, we quote and you confess, but there are times we need each other. It's so important. That's why we talk about small groups. It's not just to say it. It's because we need each other. And there are only times that we need people to come alongside us, to fight with us. And I had even called a godly counselor at that time. And there's nothing wrong with that either, by the way, okay? Nothing wrong with getting help. It's a good thing because God wants you free. He wants you free. And so I called him and he and the friends were, they had a couple of close friends praying and I knew I was in trouble when I was starting to cry after work because I never cried after work. <laughs> and so he said, to, what I'm telling you is, Chrissy, you've got to put on the armor of God every day. And then he gave me these little confessions that I still have. I brought them just to show you. I still have them. I actually typed them out. They were all handwritten. But, and I, would, I typed them so I could read it better and I could just carry it. You could use an index card. And I had to start renewing my mind. And he said, Chrissy, um, you're going to have to do this, by the way, for 30 days. And I said, huh? 30 days? I mean, at that point, it sounded like an eternity. And he said, you may have to do this more than once. And I thought, oh, dear God. But I did, and I was faithful. And God delivered me. Because I wasn't defined by, you know, I was, Kenny and I were talking, and he said that your feelings won't change until your thoughts change. And so those walls did not define me anymore. God had a plan for me there. He had a purpose for me there. And I rose above it and he revealed it to me. But it took some effort. It took some renewing of my mind before I could walk in the faithfulness and the promises of God that he had for me there. And he was so faithful and he gave me some friends. And I don't know that we ever found a church, but <laughs> he was a faithful God. And I want to say, too, that not only do you have to do it, but if you have parents of kids and teens, I want you to start helping them do it. Because when you hear your kids start saying stuff, that's things they're thinking about. You know, two months ago, Mia texts me, our daughter, and it's like, Mom, I'm not feeling well. You need to come to the school now. And now is in big capital letters, you know, with an explanation point. So I go, and I pick her up, and, and she, and I said, well, what's, what's going on? What, what's happening? And she lists to me essentially every symptom of COVID and what defined to me which symptoms she had and which symptoms she didn't. And I looked at her and I said, and obviously, so that means she's been thinking about it, worrying. And I looked at her and I said, Mia, I don't care if every kid in your school gets COVID. You're not going to get it. I said, you are covered in the blood of Jesus. And I said, we are going to fight this. And then I started praying over her in the car. And I started confessing the word of God. Even if it's just one scripture you have, do it. Let your kids hear you do it. 
because I'm trying to change her thought pattern. Now, I think she was in the back rolling her eyes, um, but I really don't care. <laughs> I'm going to take authority over that. I remember my son. He was eight years old. And, you know, athletics right now is amazing, right? You know, he didn't make the top team in his little soccer league, and he was devastated. And he was crying. I mean, the pressure they put on these kids at such an early age is unbelievable. You would think that we were competing for the World Cup at eight years old, okay? Uh, and we're not. But he was like, Mom, I'm, he was crying. And it, he cried for two hours. And he was like, Mom, I'm, I'm horrible. I'm no good. I mean, this is what he is saying. And I said to him, that is not who you are. God, your life, your destiny is not defined by soccer. I know he's eight and that's hard to see, but I had to tell him. And I said, no, God has given you gifts. He has given you skills. You has a great plan for your life. You are wanted, you are loved, you are worthy. You are a part of community. But you see, I had to help him because that's how we start renewing our mind, right? So we have to do it over and over and over again. And we also have to be careful what we are watching on TV and what we're meditating on. You know, we may have to turn off the news. It only takes about four to 12 minutes, it said in a study, for you to start feeling anxiety and worry watching the news. I can believe that. We may have to start around, stop hanging around people who speak death over us, who are always negative and critical. Instead, we need to turn off the news and get around people who lift us up. We need to listen to encouraging podcasts. We need to listen to worship. Get in a community of people who love us, who are cheering us on, believing for us, going and doing things we enjoy, taking a good walk, going to a museum or a garden, something that you enjoy. It says in Proverbs 4, 21 through 22, in the Passion, fill your thoughts with my words, until they penetrate deep in your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiate health into the very core of your being. Radiates healing. I love that. The helmet of salvation helps keep our thoughts life-based, health-based, safety-based, and so on. Our lives move in the strongest direction of our thoughts so we want to set our minds on things that are pure, holy, lovely, and of good report. The sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is an offensive weapon that equips us to enforce Satan's defeat. It is the living Word of God, and it's designed as a weapon of mass destruction against the enemy. In Bible times, it was about 20 inches long and was sharp on both sides, hence two-edged sword. On one side was the Word of God, and the other side is when we speak it out and declare it. The sword is complete. God's word must be spoken to create, to defeat the enemy, and enforce victory. Remember, a sword has to, re, um, to may, be sharp, right? To keep its thing. Just like a kitchen knives, you know, you use them a long time and they get dull, right? And we have to sharpen them. Same with the sword of the spirit. We, too, must keep our sword sharpened by spending time in the word. And then the last piece is prayer. In the end of Ephesians, it says, praying at all times and every season. That means happy, sad, good, bad times. We're praying. It's talking to Jesus. He wants us to have a relationship with him. When we think of prayer, some people think, well, I don't know those super long prayers. We don't have to. 
hey, God, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Well, and this is kind of bothering me. Just tell him, like you would talk to your best friend, talk to Jesus like that. He's there, he loves you, and he wants to, he wants to listen to you. He loves that. And if you start feeling worry, anxiety, I want to challenge you in your prayer time to start thanking God. You know, it, there is, it is scientifically proven that worry and thanksgiving cannot exist, coexist together. So if you are thanking God or you're being thankful, you cannot be worrying. So sometimes when we've had those thoughts, we have to choose. Start being thankful. Thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you. It's a good day. Thank you that I have food on my table. Thank you that you have blessed me with all these gifts so that things that you've had. We have to cultivate the presence of God and thank him for what he's done. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times I hear him best when it's just in the quietness and stillness of his voice. And I want to encourage you, too, when you pray, pray expectant. You know, Dad did a message two weeks ago about now. Don't say, oh, well, if it's your will or in a couple days. No, now. Pray expectant, believing that you have what you ask. It says in 1 John 5, 14 through 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. I don't know what's causing you today to worry or have anxiety, but God wants you to know that you are armed and you are dangerous. He has given you your own superpower suit, and it's the armor of God to defeat the enemy. But you have a choice. You have to use it. Too many people today are laying down and just not fighting. I had a friend of mine, and she, every time she'd call me, this is wrong, that's wrong, this is happening, this person's sick, and she said these words. I just feel like it won't end. And you know what I told her? I said it won't until you stand up and you fight and you resist. Too many of you have just been laying down in that boxing ring or standing up and letting Satan just beat up all over you. And today is the day for you to rise up, for you to stand, to put on your armor and resist him. You are armed and you are dangerous. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.